Brother Hagen got in this a little bit, <clears throat> where even towards the end of his ministry, he was having to schedule uh, meetings on a pretty regular basis to, to generate income to pay for the school because the school itself was only paying for about, the, the tuition from the students was only paying about half the cost of running this, the school. And so he would basically um, augment the, the, uh, the tuition with funds that he raised in his meetings to go for the, the payment of the school and tuition and you know, repairs and different things like that in the school. <clears throat> and um, you know, if all the churches that said they believed in Brother Hagen would have just sent their tithes to Brother Hagen, right? Because they graduated from his school and they started churches based on the knowledge that he provided to them. And it's biblically, biblical and scriptural to, to tithe even as a ministry. We tithe as a ministry. Uh, and if you go in the Old Covenant, it talks about that the Levites should, because the Levites were the ones who were the, the, ministers, the ministers of Israel. They were supposed to live off the tithe from the, from the nation of Israel. So the nation of Israel uh, collected a tithe from everybody. And they gave that tithe to the, the Levite tribe, the, the tribe of uh, Levi. And there were 12 tribes, so uh, uh, 11 of the tribes all had <clears throat> land that was given to them when they went to the promised land, except for the tribe of Levi. So the tribe of Levi was, was not allocated any land that they could then grow crops and, and raise cattle uh, and then sell that for income. Uh, they uh, were just given you know, houses to live, but no land to grow and to, to develop uh, cattle and things like that. They were supposed to live off the tithes of the nation. And then uh, the Lord told the Levites, now that you've collected your tithe, now you give a tithe of the tithe to the Lord. Uh, and so, you know, the church, uh, we collect tithes from people. Uh, people give tithes of their income to the church. And then we take a, a tithe of that, which 10% of that, and we give that, uh, right now we give that to uh, Brother Randy and, and to his ministry uh, because uh, that's, that's what the Lord implies, that the, even the ministry should be giving a tithe. And so, uh, but if all the churches had, had done that. I even asked my pastor uh, years ago, because he graduated from Rama. do we send a tithe to, to Brother Hagen? He said, no, you know, we send an offering, but we don't send the tithe. Uh, and um, I, you know, I didn't correct him or rebuke him or anything. I didn't tell him I thought that was wrong. I just, uh, I remember just thinking that I just thought that was odd that, uh, you know, as much as he talked about how much he loved uh, Brother Hagen, but he didn't send, he did send offerings, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't the same amount as a tithe. It was a lot less than a, than a, than a tithe. And so I, I don't know why that was the case, you know. And, and so, um, but what happens a lot of times is ministries will, you know, they buy something like a jet airplane, and then all of their effort uh, is to, to fund the, the maintenance and the cost of owning that airplane, right? And so, you know, especially if you own a jet airplane, you know, there's, probably a million dollars a year of maintenance that you have to do from FAA regulations and testing and uh, different things that you have to go through uh, certifications uh, and then also training of the pilot. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of upkeep and maintenance to owning your own jet airplane. And I, I don't care if anybody has a jet airplane, but uh, if you're not careful, <clears throat> what happens is you, you, know, you go start a building program and you get a bunch of debt and then uh, everything after that is you're feeding that debt. You know, you're spending all this time because you get under pressure, right? You get under pressure because that, that bill is coming due and, um, uh, and you, you're getting tight on the, on the finances to do that. And, and it, you know, that doesn't say that every building program is wrong, but uh, what churches do that a lot. They'll build too much, you know, or too fast. Uh, and then a lot of times uh, people will leave, right? You start a building program and then people, just, some people just can't handle the grace of doing that. We lost people when we did this 
uh, sanctuary uh, renovation. And um, <clears throat> I remember talking to people before we started, you know, I encourage you to, to stay the course, right? Be careful because there's always a temptation anytime there's a change that people will leave. And, um, you know, of course, folks didn't uh, heed to that ad admonishment. Uh, and, you know, I'm not the Lord of God, you know, that's between them and the Lord. But <clears throat> um, it's just one of those things that uh, uh, you've got to be careful and be a good steward of, of the finances that the Lord gives to you because you don't want to get to where everything in your ministry is about raising more income, right? Um, and um, uh, you don't, because uh, if it's that way, then you, and you will end up losing the anointing. You'll end up losing the, the power of God, the presence of God, because your focus is only on the finances of what people are going to give. Because then, uh, then you'll be constrained in what you'll preach or what you'll say, because, well, if I say that, so-and-so is going to leave, and they're going to quit uh, giving me money, or, you know, if I say this, they're going to get mad and quit giving money. Uh, and you, you, need to, you need to be free to say what you need to say, not that you're trying to make anybody mad, of course, uh, but <clears throat> you need to make sure that your primary intent of the ministry is not income, right, and for the church, for the ministry, right, uh, and, of course, even for uh, the income of the minister itself. Uh, so, uh, anyway, it's, uh, um, uh, it's interesting to, to see, you know, and, and to, to watch uh, the, the church as a whole and see how things go, the dynamics of the church and what people do and don't do. And um, there, there were some folks after Brother Hagen even passed away that uh, one minister in particular packed up all of his tapes and books that Brother Hagen had produced over the years that he owned, and he shipped him back to Ramah and said, well, he's dead, you know, we're not going this way anymore. And it's like, well, that didn't make any sense. I'm not following a man. I'm not following Brother Hagen. You know, I follow what he taught. And, it, it, and, and it's not even his doctrine. He just taught the word. There's really nothing. There's no, uh, in fact, somebody called me a Haganite one time. There's no such thing as a Haganite because, uh, you know, there, there, there is Calvinism, for example, right? John Calvin uh, was, you know, around several hundred years ago. Uh, maybe not that long ago, but, um, you know, he had Calvinism, which was, you know, uh, basically <clears throat> predestination, a lot of those kinds of ideas that uh, he developed an entire doctrine. It's not biblical, it's just kind of his philosophy that uh, basically predestination is, well, God's already decided who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. So you're kind of stuck because you, uh, it doesn't matter what you think you're doing, he's already decided if you're going to make it or not. And, and so, but the problem is you don't know. Right. And so if you don't know, what's the point, right? <clears throat> and of course, there is a no-so salvation. The Bible says that he bears witness with our spirit, so we're children of God. So um, that doesn't make any sense, right? The whole, the whole concept of Calvinism makes no sense. Uh, and yet people follow that, you know, and they're Calvinists. They call them Calvinists because they follow this doctrine that a man developed, uh, which is not really biblical, but it's just what he developed in his philosophy of how the Lord operates in the earth. Well, there, uh, there's, no, uh, there's no Hagen doctrine, you know. It's just here's what the Word says and here's how to apply it to your life. And so, <clears throat> but that fellow in particular sent everything back uh, that he owned from Brother Hagen and um, said we're going a different direction. I don't know what direction you'd go, you know, other than what the Word says, amen. And, and um, I know one minister that I know got up and said uh, not long after Brother Hagen died, uh, it was probably five, six years after he, he died, he said, the word of faith movement is, has come to an end. Uh, and it's like, well, the Bible is the word of faith. Uh, and so are we, I mean, it literally has that phrase, the word of faith, right, in, in the scriptures. Uh, and so how would that come to an end? Uh, when would it come, why would it come to an end? Is there, 
is there no longer a need for faith? Is there no longer a need for the word? I mean, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, part of it is that people are under pressure to come up with new and interesting things to hear, right, to, to say, so that they can, so they can get people to listen to them. Uh, and if that's your primary goal, then yeah, you'll do away with, oh yeah, we're going a new direction now, here's a new direction, and people go, oh, we're going a new direction now. Um, you know, there shouldn't be a new, I mean, after the last uh, word of the, of the New Testament was, was sealed, there's no new direction. It's just the direction, amen? We all should be going in the same direction. Uh, and so, <clears throat> anyway, it's, uh, all this stuff is interesting, but uh, why don't we pray and we'll get into the Word tonight. So, Father, we do thank you for the Word, and we thank you, Father, for blessing us each and every day, for being good to us. Father, we thank you that your Word is the foundation of all that we know about you, Father, what we believe, what we understand about your will and plan for our lives. Uh, and it reveals your character and, and uh, gives us insight into who you are. And so we thank you for that, Father. We approach your word humbly to, to study, Father, to show ourselves approved unto God. Uh, and we, we ask you, Father, to reveal and to instruct and to teach us that which you would have us to know from your word. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 3. We'll continue there today. And so we got to, uh, down to um, um, verses 18 and 19 here, and Paul is t- still talking about uh, the people that he said, for many walk, in verse 18, for many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. So he is talking about uh, th- these people that are walking, these many people are Christians, right? They're, so these are not the, the world and people outside the church. These are Christians who at one time walked closely with him uh, and um, are now enemies of the cross of Christ. And he tells us that weeping because he knows that, uh, based on this uh, comment here that he said in verse 19, whose end is destruction, that, um, um, uh, that these people uh, were close to the Lord enough to, to know the Lord, to walk away from the Lord, and now he said their end is destruction, uh, implying that they had committed their sin unto death, which means that they will miss heaven. Uh, you could take it that uh, where he said end is, is destruction that they will just simply uh, die early in this physical life uh, and that it that is also something that does occur we read about in first Corinthians 5 5 about the man who is committing adultery with his stepmother and Paul said that he's handed him over Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit would be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus uh, and so you can get to a point where even if uh, even if you were to make it to heaven but because you backslide and get out of the will of God, then uh, your life on earth may become shortened, right? Uh, it's not because God is punishing you, but uh, he told us in Ephesians 4.27 to neither give place to the devil. And so when you get outside the will of God, it's not that he's punishing you when you're out there, it's that you are now in the territory of the devil, and the devil loves to destroy people's lives, right? He said in John 10.10 10, that the thief cometh but not to kill, steal, and destroy. And so the, the thief is going to try to kill you, kind of try to uh, destroy you, uh, and try to, to steal from you, right? Um, and so <clears throat> that's what he does when people get out of the will of God. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's interesting because a lot of times people will do that, and then something bad will happen. You know, maybe they get sick, or maybe uh, a business dealing occurs. And, of course, sometimes there's a tragedy that occurs before that. So everything's going fine, and maybe there's a death in your family. Sometimes there's a tragic death, you know, a, a, a spouse or a child or someone close to you. And a lot of times people will get mad at the Lord. Um, 
and, and then become resentful to the Lord and walk away from the Lord because this event occurred. And, and to me, it's always odd because uh, their anger is misplaced. Their anger should be against the devil, right? He's the one who comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Um, he, uh, it's not the Lord killing and stealing and destroying, it's the devil. Uh, and yet, uh, oftentimes, an event will occur and people will get mad at God and, and they'll act like, why didn't you do something, Lord? And, and the Lord's like, I've been wanting to do something in your life for a thousand years but you wouldn't yield to my spirit. I, try, I tried to tell you to do this, you wouldn't do that. I tried to tell you to do this, and you wouldn't do that. I tried to show you where you were getting in, on the territory of the devil, and, and uh, you refused to heed my warning. Uh, <clears throat> and so, uh, you know, a lot of, and of course, part of that is because when you go to a funeral, uh, who gets all the blame for the death? Well, the Lord does, you know, uh, and, and they'll say dumb things like, well, the Lord needed this person in heaven, or the Lord needed another angel, you know, just things that aren't true, right? The Lord needed to take them early. Uh, and, um, you know, the Lord's not taking anybody, amen? Uh, and so uh, if, this, if their end is destruction, it's not because the Lord is punishing them, it's because they have walked away from the Lord and out from under his protection. Yeah, you know, it's just like um, <clears throat> there was a, um, a story about the people that was in the oil industry and... Um, uh, how uh, these, these one guys were doing something and ended, they ended up um, uh, getting in an accident and one of them died in this, in this uh, business, in this company. Uh, and, uh, and so they were talking about it in the meeting after that's occurred and someone said, uh, well, you know, uh, God, just, uh, God just took them. And then somebody who knew a little bit more than that said, well, you know, it's funny how God never takes people who obey the safety rules, right? And so... <clears throat> you know, if you're in the will of God, uh, if you go back and look at the history of Israel, when they were in the perfect will of God, they, were, they could not be defeated, right? In fact, uh, if you go all the way back in Joshua, uh, I think that's the best, uh, the closest they got to um, being the perfect will of God as a nation. Uh, they could have an entire war and nobody would die. Zero people would die. Uh, and then in one case in Joshua, when they were at AI, uh, at a place called AI, uh, one person died, and Joshua went to the Lord. Now, this is a war, right? And, and they defeated the enemy, but one person died, and Joshua went to the Lord and said, hey, what's up? I mean, we're, we're supposed to have zero, right? We're the, we're the army of the Most High God. It's not supposed to be, yeah, we beat them, and we only lost you know, half as many as they lost. Uh, that's not the answer. Our answer is, yeah, we beat them, and nobody died. Right. That's the, that's, that was Joshua's mentality of faith. And that should be our mentality of faith. Lord, you know, we succeed uh, 100%. And if we get 99%, Lord, what's up? There's 1% here. I, I want to know why it's not 100%. Uh, and Joshua did that. And the Lord said, well, they're sinning the camp. You know, they went through the whole process finding out who, the, who was causing a sin uh, and dealt with it. <clears throat> but the, the point of it is we as Christians should have an expectation of, uh, of a life that's uh, perfectly free, perfectly healthy, perfectly uh, prosperous, uh, perfectly of sound mind. That's what the Word of God teaches by both precept and example uh, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And it's not unreasonable to expect that. Uh, sometimes people say, well, it's unreasonable to expect that you would live life without these tragedies. That's not unreasonable at all. It's perfectly reasonable. In fact, it should be our intent and goal is to live a life without any tragedies. That doesn't mean that we won't have to deal with things. You know, Joshua dealt with warfare, didn't he? He had enemies that he had to defeat, giants he had to defeat, land he had to take, 
but uh, no matter what came his way, he always, his attitude was, there's victory on the other side of this circumstance, uh, victory through this circumstance. Uh, and we're, and not, we're not gonna suffer the, the wounds and the battle scars uh, of uh, warfare like other people do. We're gonna go in and we're going to participate in the war because it's necessary, but we're gonna come out uh, uh, just like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire not smelling like smoke. That's the way we're, that's, that should be our attitude, amen? And yet our attitude is not that oftentimes. Our attitude is like, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. Uh, well, not according to the word of God, not according to his plan and intent. Uh, if, if the spirit of God lives on the inside of you, how could you ever lose? Doesn't he know the, the path to victory? Does he know the exact steps to take that you never get defeated? And of course, you have to decide if you're gonna live that way, that everything you do and say is subject to approval of the Lord. Right. Well, I want to do what I want to do. Well, then you'll get 50-50, right? Uh, if, you, if your attitude is, I want to do what the Lord wants me to do, then you can be guaranteed 100%. Amen? <clears throat> and the problem is, if we really believe the Lord that, that his desire is to be good to us, then it would be okay for us to want 100% of what he wants for us. Because if we say, well, I don't want to do everything the Lord wants me to do, well, the, well that, that, that part that you don't want to do is rebellion, and it's not good for you because anything that's not the, perfectly in the will of God is not very good for you, whether it's food or exercise or relations or, or investments or whatever the things are. It doesn't matter what the things are, but a lot of times we, you know, our attitude is, well, I want what I want. Well, that's what happened to these people here whose end is destruction, right? They, they were walking with the Lord, and something happened. They didn't like it. They got resentful to the Lord. They walked away because they wanted to do or think or believe what they wanted to do or think or believe without any correction, uh, and it caused them to leave the Lord. Uh, and, and that happens in a church all the time, right? Uh, especially if, if the pastor says something that's in conflict with what you believe, instead of, uh, uh, and of course, it's, it's not to say that everything I say is perfect, amen? Uh, nearly everything I say is perfect, but there's probably one or two things, you know, that I've said over the years that's not exactly, exactly what the Word of God says, amen? Uh, I surely don't know everything. Uh, but uh, you have to decide in that moment, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to get mad and leave? Or are you going to at least, uh, if it's something that's in conflict with which you believe, are you at least willing to give me the benefit of the doubt and to consider what I say? That's really the, the only question. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to accept it no matter what, but it should be that if I'm telling you, you should at least, uh, if you know me well enough to know that, that uh, to the best of my knowledge, I'm going to, to teach you what, I, what the Word says, uh, again, that doesn't mean I'm perfect, but it should at least give you the opportunity to, or you should take the opportunity to, to heed what I say and to consider it at least, right? Like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, uh, it says they were more noble than the Thessalonians because when Paul went there, it says they searched the scriptures daily to see if what Paul said was so. So when Paul would say something, they go, you know, that's pretty interesting, but I don't know if I really believe it or not. Let me go to the scriptures and see and confirm what he said is so. And once they saw that it was so, then okay, well, if it's, if it's so in the scriptures, then I believe it. That should be a normal uh, process of our life, right? You shouldn't accept it just because I say it. That would be foolish and become a cult. But you should, you should also, if I say something that's in conflict with what you believe, you shouldn't summarily reject it either. Well, I don't believe it that way. I don't see it that way. I hear people say, you know, I've had people look at me, I, I don't see it that way. Okay, fine. We'll get some new glasses, right? Because the way you see it is wrong. And, and, and so, you know, it does, it's not about how you see it, it's what's the truth, amen? We should be striving for the truth, amen? Not trying to hold on to what we believe. 
because uh, the way I see it is every single thing that I believe is 100% true. Uh, because otherwise, how could you have faith? But everything I, I believe is subject to change if the Lord gives me more information. And so if I read a scripture tomorrow and it upends everything I believed about some topic, I would, have, I would go back and do the research and, you know, confirm that, yes, indeed, what I have believed for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years is wrong, then I'll change it. And, of course, that, that probably happens more than I realize. It's, it's not anything major, but it would be some minor things about, you know, this or that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it's not like, well, Jesus isn't the only way to, to, to heaven. Well, that's never going to change, right? There's some basics that, that will never change. But there's some nuances about how the Lord operates that we get more information as time goes on. Uh, and so we don't want to fall into the trap that these guys did. You know, what caused them to do that? Well, I can guarantee you it was uh, something that Paul said that was in conflict with their philosophy uh, and that they, they were unwilling to yield. Uh, and it got to a point where uh, Paul kept knocking over the golden calves and their doctrine and they couldn't take it anymore and they walked away. Uh, and that happens, you know, on a regular basis in, in the church. Uh, and I remember, you know, years ago with my pastor, uh, he, uh, one of his famous phrases, uh, he would say, I'm not your problem and you're not mine. Uh, <clears throat> and I've always loved that phrase because I thought, you know, that's right. That, that, so that means if, if you're doing things that I don't like, that's not my problem. You know, and if you say thing that's un, something that's unkind to me or, or try to uh, get me all riled up, you're not my problem. And so I don't have to accept what you say. I don't have to respond in a negative way to what you say uh, because you're not my problem. And so, because before that, you know, the way I lived was if you say something, you were my problem, right? If you said something I didn't agree with or something that was unkind or rude or disrespectful or whatever, uh, you became my problem. Uh, and, you know, you're just, you know, up one day, down the next day, and you're happy one day and sad the next day, and you're, you know, joyful one day and mad the next day, and uh, and uh, we, we live our lives oftentimes where everybody gets to dictate how I feel. You know, how you treat me dictates how I feel. Well, that's a terrible way to live. A much better way to live is how I feel is dictated by the Spirit of God, period. <clears throat> and the Word of God, the Bible says that I can have fullness of joy, then I can have fullness of joy. It didn't say you can have fullness of joy as long as everybody treats you right, as long as it's, the, the economy is stable and all these things. Uh, and so I thought that was an amazing statement. You're not my problem, and, and, uh, and I'm not yours. Uh, and, and so, um, and, and by saying that I'm not your problem, you know, then that frees me up to, to tell you what I believe I need to tell you, uh, regardless of the circumstances. Uh, and, and, of course, uh, you know, in that, you, know, you, you have to be led by the Spirit of God because oftentimes, well, they just needed to hear it. Well, that's not the, the right reason to say something. The right reason to say something is the Spirit of God instructed you to say that. Uh, and even if you know that there's a, something that needs to be said, if the Spirit of God doesn't give you the unction, it's better to not say it. <clears throat> but he said that, and, and it completely upended my, my whole philosophy, right? Not my doctrine, but just my philosophy of living, right? Of course, I was just a young man at, at the time, uh, but uh, just still learning how to get by in their world. Uh, but it was really good news for me, because then I, I realized, you know, I don't have to be subject to all the whims of, of life, amen? I can just choose to live uh, a good stable life regardless of what comes my way uh, and be good with that uh, and so these folks didn't do that right they they, they got crossways with with paul and um <clears throat> walked away from the lord who's in the destruction of verse 19 whose god is the belly whose glory is the same who mind earthly things and we had read um uh, last week in romans chapter 8 and i think it'd be good just to go back and look at that just a little bit more 
Romans chapter 8, because these are some great verses in relation to this. Uh, <clears throat> in Galatians chapter 8, it, says, it starts in verse 5, for, for they that are after the flesh. So what are you after, right? Are you after this natural world or, or the spiritual world? Do mind the things of the flesh. Uh, so their thought life, their goals, their ambitions are only on things they can see and touch in this natural realm. Uh, he said, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, and the word carnal there is the word, is the word natural, and I, I, I think it's, uh, in this case, uh, even though carnal is not an incorrect translation, but uh, typically we go to, to specific, uh, often sexual sins, when we think of, of carnality, but this is really just natural, right? Just natural, you're just... You know, what's important to you is who's the first one in line to eat. You know, what's important to you is how comfortable is your chair. What's important to you is what's the temperature in the sanctuary. What's important to you is, you know, uh, did I go too long? Or, you know, that's carnally minded, right? Uh, even though if it's all, they're all related to the church, right? Uh, but still, if all that matters to you is these natural things, amen? Well, I, I, can, never, I can never go to a church, you know, uh, that's a storefront church. Uh, well, that's carnally minded, Amen. Uh, you know, I can't go to a church that doesn't have comfortable chairs. What's carnally minded? I can't go to a church that has, you know, bad taste in their uh, decorations in their sanctuary. Well, that's carnally minded, amen? Uh, and, and so uh, anything wrong with wanting the temperature to be okay in the church or the, or the, uh, the sound volume to be okay in the church or the, you know, the, the decorations of the church? You know, nothing wrong with that, you know, as far as the, that's your taste. Uh, but should you elevate that above the will of God? Right? If the will of God says to go to that church, then how do you elevate the comfort of the chairs above the will of God? But people do, right? Uh, and so, um, <clears throat> but he says to be carnally minded or naturally minded, right? What's, what's, what's the most important things to you? Most important thing for me in my life, uh, uh, not even close, is am I in the will of God? And that's it, right? Nothing else comes uh, even, there's a close second, right? Uh, it's not what car I drive, what house I own, what what city I live in, what church I pastor, uh, it, none of that matters. All that matters is, am I in the will of God? And that boils that, everything down to a very simple life, right? Because then I'll, then I'll have to ask the Lord one question, am I in your will? I don't have to Lord, ask the Lord, well, you know, what, uh, should I drive this car or that car? What's your will for me for his cars, you know? Uh, I mean, uh, <clears throat> all, all that stuff gets to be really, really uh, busy after a while. Uh, but he said to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Um, and again, we were talking last week about where do we live? We live in this natural world, right? So there's a balance, amen? But the things that we do in the natural realm should be informed by the things we do in the spirit realm. So, uh, uh, you know, he, t he talks about in, in, in the book of James about people that go into a city and buying and selling. He said, well, we're going to go in the city and buy and sell. And, and James says, well, what you should have done is say, Lord, if it's your will, we'll go into the city and buy and sell. Uh, and so it wasn't about not doing the natural thing. It's about... Are, you, are the natural things you're doing, are they in line with the will of God for your life? So buying and selling is natural whether it's uh, by the will of God or not by the will of God, right? Still in the natural world, still in this natural realm that we live in, uh, buying and selling. But you can, you can, one person could be doing it by the will of God. One person could be doing it out of the, being outside the will of God. Well, how do you know? Well, you can't look at the, the natural thing and say, well, they're clearly not in the will of God unless it's obviously sin, right? Uh, well, you know, we steal from the rich and we give to the poor. Um, you know, we're Robin Hood. Well, okay, that's fine. That's wrong, right? It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter that, the, that the end was good and the end doesn't just justify the means, right? Uh, we, can't, we can't steal 
and then tithe on it, right? Uh, and, so, uh, and so we can't be a drug dealer and then tithe. I mean, it just, you know, uh, it just seems something wrong with that picture, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, our, our natural life should be informed by our spiritual life, amen? We should be seeking the will of God because, you know, if you're not in the pulpits, and my life is in the pulpit, uh, but I do natural things outside the pulpit, but this is my primary uh, plan of God for my life to be here uh, but but you know everybody's not called to be the pulpit so if you're not called to be the pulpit what what are you called to do uh, and you know uh, it just depends on your life and I think uh, part of what you're called to do is what God's made you to be good at right if you're good at doing things with your hands and then, then that's probably what you're called to do if you're good at doing things with your mind then it's probably what you're good to, to called to do if you're good at doing things in a musical realm then that's probably what you're called to do the Lord gave you that talent and ability it's, it's rare that he's going to, uh, you know, give you all these talents and abilities, but then never use that to his glory in the earth. That's, uh, he gave you those talents and abilities to bring glory to his name. Uh, and so, so there's a balance there, right? And, 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 if, and if you'll allow the spirit realm to dictate your natural life, the Lord, is it okay if I do this or invest in this or buy this or sell that? Is it okay if I do those things? See, that's still doing natural things, but it's, it's being spiritually minded. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. Uh, and so he said, if you're spiritually minded, there's life and peace. There's Zoe, there's God kind of life and peace. Well, wouldn't the God kind, the God quality of life be a valuable thing to, to have in our life? Wouldn't it be valuable to live the God kind of life? You know, uh, people think that, well, you know, if we're super spiritual, then, then all we do is we fast every other day, we pray for six hours at a time, you know, we read the whole New Testament through every week. Uh, you know, that's not, that's not the measurement of your spiritual life. Are you doing what the Lord wants you to do? You know, you go back in the Old Covenant when they were building the temple, uh, even with Solomon, or even when they were building the tabernacle with uh, the tent with, uh, with Moses, the Bible says that the Lord put in the hearts of the people the wisdom to make all the things for, for the Lord, right? The embroidery, and I mean, they had all this uh, super sophisticated embroidery and, and everything was gold-plated and the whole inside of the, the temple was gold. And, and they, they, the way they built, when they built the temple, <clears throat> uh, they built the whole thing off-site, right? All the lumber and all the walls and everything. And they built it in such a way so that when they put it together on-site, that no, no, the sound, there was no sound of a hammer uh, when they put the temple together. Uh, and so how they do that? Well, they had, it was like Legos, right? Somehow they built it like Legos where they didn't have to use hammers to do that. And so, uh, well, who figured that out? These, it, wasn't, it wasn't Solomon, even though he was the wisest man in the world. Uh, it was the men and the women that the Lord put in their hearts. Here's how to do these things. And so the Lord puts uh, supernatural uh, things about the natural world in people's hearts. Here's how to do this thing well. Uh, and, and that's throughout the whole scriptures, right? That's uh, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, that's, uh, the Lord has informed us that we live in this natural realm. He's going to anoint us and give us the gifts and the talents and abilities to do these natural things to advance his kingdom. Uh, and, and that should be fine, right? And so uh, some people, they, get, they become so spiritual, they quit everything. I'm going to live by faith. Well, are you working? No, I'm going to live by faith. Well, whose faith are you going to be living by? Because really, you say you're living by faith, but really you're living by somebody else's faith, hoping that somebody else is prosperous enough to care for you, right? And so uh, that's pretty convenient if you live by somebody else's faith, uh, and people, people do that, right? I'm going to live by faith. <clears throat> what are you doing? Well, nothing. Well, 
it really, you know, doesn't sound like you live my faith to me, you know, but uh, uh, they didn't ask my opinion. So, uh, and then he says in verse 8, because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile against God. Uh, and that's the thing. If, uh, if your natural things consume your life so much that, that you become hostile towards God. Well, I don't want to go to church today. I shouldn't have to go to church every single Sunday. Uh, I shouldn't have to go to church and get there on time or get, you know, stay late or, you know, they're working on Saturday. I shouldn't have to go there. Uh, they become hostile towards the Lord. The Lord says, hey, I need you to give this or do that for the church or, or for, my, for my benefit. Uh, they are hostile towards the Lord. And if you become hostile towards the Lord, uh, he's unable to use you for his benefit, right? He wants to use you in whatever capacity he wants to use you. Uh, but, uh, but you're hostile to that. Amen. Well, it's just taking too much time or taking too much money or taking too much energy, uh, whatever the thing is. Uh, you, know, I, I, you know, the show's on or the game's on or, you know, the, 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 the tea time is now or the, the, the lake is calling me or, you know, whatever the thing is, uh, that thing will cause you to be hostile towards the Lord. Well, why don't you go to church instead of going fishing? I can't miss my fishing. You know, I mean, it, it's, you know, the fish, the fish only bite on Sunday mornings at 1030. Uh, and so, um, and it's not to beat anybody up. It, it's, uh, it's for us to judge our own selves, right? Look at your own life. Is, is there anything in your life when, when you think, well, the Lord wants me to change this or stop doing this or start doing that? Uh, is there any hostility that rises up in your heart against the Lord? Or even resentment, right? Which is just a low-level hostility, but still, it's the same thing when the Lord asks you, hey, I, you need to quit doing this or, hey, I need you to start doing that. Well, I'm not doing that, you know. <clears throat> no. Well, then, see, that's a carnal mind. And he said the carnal mind, eventually, if you're not careful, will lead to, a, to he says, is death, but lead to a life without power. And, and many people in a church, on the way to heaven, probably people of good character, uh, maybe nice people or kind people, but they have no supernatural power operating in their life, no ability to overcome any situation by supernatural power of God through healing or through revelation or through a miracle. Uh, they have no way to, to tap into that power because they're so carnally minded that all that matters to them is the church. And, and, you, you, and you can go to uh, different churches and you can go to some churches where the whole church is carnal. Good people, nice people that fix your fried chicken if you, if you ask for fried chicken. But there's just no life in the service, no life in the church, you know, no spiritual life in the church. It's just, it's just a, a social gathering. There's no spiritual beyond that, nothing spiritual beyond that. And, and you know, there's a, a certain percentage of the church who's perfectly satisfied with that. I mean, I'd just dry, I'd be just, you know, we, we ended up, uh, when I was growing up, we went to a denominational church for a year. The, the, the Pentecostal church we were going to kind of folded. It was a really, really small church, you know, uh, and so it, it was really not sustainable the way they had set up. Uh, and so we ended up going to a denominational church for a year. And, and um, I mean, it was tough. It was tough slogging because there's just no spirit in there. Everything was so prescribed, uh, and, it, and it was the exact same process every week. And you might get 10 minutes, maybe on a good day, you might get 15 minutes of teaching and instruction, but it, oftentimes it wasn't even the Bible. It was just, hey, you know, I was thinking about, you know, this Andy Griffith episode, you know, and when he, you know, when Aunt B did this and that, you know, and then Opie did this, you know, and, then, and this happened. You know, well, we should learn from that, and here's what you can learn from that. You know, be nice and treat each other good, and I mean, you know, so they were life lessons, but there was no, it wasn't, it didn't build your faith up because it wasn't based upon the Word of God, it's just based upon, you know, just stories, and so, 
so he said, uh, the carnal mind, the, the mind that, it, that considers the natural things uh, to be very important, is hostile towards God, for it is not subject to the law of God. So when the law of God says, I need you to do this, the carnal mind says, I ain't doing that. It's not subject to the law of God. And if you've ever resisted the, 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 the law of God, when, when you read the Word of God or the Spirit of God instructs you to do something and you've re- resisted that, see, then that's carnality, right? That's, he said it's, it's the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. So when the law of God comes, and it comes to all of us as Christians, right? The law of God will come to you either by reading His Word or, or by His Spirit. Uh, and if your reaction is to reject that, see, at least in that area of your life, it may not be in every area of your life, but in that area of your life, that's carnality, right? It, it's not subject to the law of God. It says neither indeed can be. So it's unable to yield to the, to the law of God unless you choose to change, right? Now, you can change and repent, and that's the wise thing to do, right? Uh, anytime the Word of God comes, and, and that Word, either it's by the, by the Bible or by the Spirit of God, when it comes into your life, and it's in conflict with what you're doing, if you were an intelligent human being, you would yield to the Word of God. Oh, well, if the Word of God says to do that, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, <clears throat> as opposed to, I'm not doing that. Well, then, see, that's carnality, and, and then you're hostile towards God. Amen? Now, hostile towards me. You know, you're not, not doing anything to me, uh, but you're hostile towards God. Uh, and it says it, it cannot be. The way it is right there, it cannot ever be subject to the law of God. You have to decide, I'm going to change that and remove that out of my life. That's the only way that you can become subject to the law of God. Uh, <clears throat> but then he kind of sums it up right there in verse 8. He said, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So... That, that really kind of sums up the motivation of why should we change, right? Why should we, when the Lord comes to you and says, uh, this thing uh, is in conflict with what you're doing and I need you to change, uh, then, it, see, it's not, that you're, it's, it's not even that you're doing that thing. It's what do you do when the, the knowledge comes that you need to change? Uh, see, uh, you know, a lot of times people get so bent out of shape that somebody did something. Yeah, but I've repented. Okay, you know, that should be good enough for us, right? But oftentimes, you know, just because you repent and change and stop doing it, we still want to lord it over you that you did it at least one time before. It's like, well, so what? You know, if, they, if it's over and done with, what's it matter, right? Uh, people go to jail. I don't care. What are you doing now? People convicted of some crime. I don't care. What are you doing right now? Amen? People who, who uh, you know, I was reading after somebody today who was a Satan worshiper. Uh, well, okay, well, what do you do now? Well, now he's a child of God. Okay, well, who cares that you were a, ch- a Satan worshiper? You know, I don't care. Uh, and so he said, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So what pleases God is when, when the word of God or the spirit of God instructs us that, hey, this thing, this word, this phrase, this attitude, this thought, uh, this action, uh, the, the, this plan that you've got is not in line with my will for your life. And, and if our response is, well, well uh, okay, then I'll be glad to change, sir. What would you like me to do instead? See, that's the correct, see, that's been a spiritual person. It, you're not carnal just because you do carnal things in that sense, uh, because it's not, uh, it's not hostile towards God until the Lord brings it to you and, and reveals that, hey, that thing needs to change. Because you may not know, right? Especially subtle things that, you know, attitudes or, or phrases or things that you say. I, I know, I, uh, um, <clears throat> I think I've told you the story before, but... We were on our way to eat somewhere, and um, uh, they said, where do you want to go eat? Well, that's always the great debate. Where do you want to go eat? Uh, I've solved that debate now because it's like wherever you want to go, you know. Uh, the question, well, no, where do we want to go? 
Uh, but see, it's easier for me to say wherever you want to go because if I say where I want to go, you know, it's like, you know, slab of meat on, on, uh, on, a, on, a, uh, on more meat sandwich, right? <clears throat> and so, uh, and Chris isn't always a fan of that, right? The meat palace, right? There's a restaurant in, in down in Chattanooga that all they serve is meat. They got like, you know, all, like, I don't know, 20 different kinds of meat uh, that you can eat, right? We call it the meat palace. <clears throat> and, and they bring it, you know, it's got... It's brisket and it's it's ham and it's and it's fish and it's steak and it's more steak and it's seafood and but it's just meat, right? Something had to die for that for that that meal, uh, and, and uh, you know it's great. We we've been there a few times, but uh, Chris would not want to eat there every day, right? She wants. Is there any vegetables? Well, that's illegal here, right? They do actually have a, a salad bar, but that the, they just they do that, you know, just to uh, appease other people, right? Uh, us normal people go there to eat meat and so <clears throat> but anyway so where do you want to go eat uh, and she said um, well I want to go eat, eat something healthy and you know now we've said that probably a thousand times before but in that one time that she said that it just rose up in my heart if if I really pray over my food because don't we pray for our foods right we bless our food right and the Bible says that we can eat whatever we put in front of us as long as as long as it's uh, sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Well, the Bible does say that, right? It's in First, First Timothy chapter four, I believe. Uh, <clears throat> and, and so, uh, if if that's true, if it's true that I can I can bless my food and that it becomes sanctified by the word of God and my prayer, then uh, in essence, isn't everything healthy? I mean, in theory, isn't everything? If, if you're really now, look, can can you be out of balance in that? Uh, the Bible says it's in First Timothy. Chapter 4, verse 4, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified uh, by the word of God in prayer. That's why we bless our food, right? It's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Uh, and so now if the Lord says, hey, uh, uh, fatso, you're eating too many donuts, right? <laughs> you know, and he probably wouldn't call you a name. He might, you know, I mean, he's within his rights to do that, you know. Uh, quit eating so many donuts. Well, okay, then, then you're out of order in eating so many donuts, right? He said, hey, dummy, eat something green today, right? You haven't eaten anything green in six months. Eat something green. Well, the Lord couldn't inform me to do that, amen? And if he does, then what should you do? Stop eating donuts and, and eat something green. Um, and, and so, uh, but within moderation, and see, that's the whole thing, because you look at the whole counsel of God, right? You don't just take that one verse there in 1 Timothy 4 and say, well, then I can have the donut diet, right? You know, I mean, you got the keto diet, you know, you got the Neanderthal diet, you got the Mediterranean diet, and then you got the donut diet, which should be the most popular one of all of them, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> but see, the Lord never told you to have a donut diet, amen? And that would be, you just, just walking around since would tell you that would be out of balance, wouldn't it? Amen? Uh, and so, so, but if you, if within the constraint of that, uh, if you go and have a hamburger once a, once a, whenever, right? Uh, and what's the number? There's not a number, right? Don't ask me, well, how many hamburgers a week should you have? I'm not telling you, there's no number, amen? Uh, uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, but within, within the constraints of your heart and the word of God, uh, is there anything that you could eat that would be unhealthy? Well, technically, no, right? If, that's, if the word of God is so, then te technically, uh, uh, what you ever, whatever you eat that's put before you, if you sanctify it by the word of God in your prayer, Lord, we pray for this food. We thank you, it's blessed and sanctified according to your word. Uh, and so if that's true, then technically everything you eat should be healthy. And so uh, all of that long uh, uh, discussion there was, was to tell you that uh, when the Lord prompted me that that's 
wrong to say, I want to eat something healthy, implying that what I ate yesterday was unhealthy. See, that's what you're saying when you say, I want to eat something healthy, unlike what I did yesterday. So now you're saying that what you ate yesterday was unhealthy and it's going to kill you. Well, see, that's a bad confession right there, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> so uh, if you tell me that, well, uh, because of what you said, I just, you know, now I, I only eat, you know, meat every day, right? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, and, and you remember uh, for a while, was it, uh, was it uh, uh, KFC that had that sandwich that was like meat in, in between two pieces of meat? Uh, and, and so don't you remember that? It was like chicken breast inside. It, it was like meat sandwich, right? And so that's all you eat is meat sandwich, right? Uh, or, you know, instead of having, you know, a, a, a sandwich like with deli meat on it, you have like a donut you cut in half, and then you put deli meat inside of that, right? Now that would be okay, right? Uh, and so, no, I'm not telling you it's okay. That just sounds kind of gross. Uh, but, uh, <clears throat> and so if you'll listen to, to the Spirit of God and listen to your body, you know, your body does tell you things that it's hungry for, and, and, and uh, you know, it's a machine, and it has to be fed uh, reasonable amount of food and reasonable kind of food. Uh, and, you know, depending on what you do, I mean, athletes need to eat certain kinds of food more so than like I do. You know, I'm a chair athlete. Uh, and so <clears throat> that's, my, that's, my, uh, that's my type of athleticism right there. So the type of food I need to eat is different than they would need to eat, the number of calories, because, you know, if I eat like, a, like an athlete, I mean, when my kids, all three of my kids, when they were in school and in, in sports, especially soccer, they would consume vast quantities of, of calories. I mean, it wouldn't even matter. It's just like, how many calories is that? Okay, that's what I need, right? And that's why you go to Hardee's, because Hardee's, when they develop their menu, it's like, how many calories do they got? It's only got 1,000. Oh, add some bacon. Okay, that's fine, right? I mean, it's like, it doesn't, like whatever they come up with, they got to figure out how do we add more calories, right? And so they, they, they cram as many calories in every sandwich as they possibly can, right? Uh, add some mayonnaise on it, right? <clears throat> don't, mustard doesn't have enough calories, right? Uh, and so, uh, so I can't eat... Like, like, a, like an athlete, uh, like they did, because I would, uh, I would just uh, explode, right? I'd become a very large person because chair athletes don't need nearly as much food as actual athletes have, right? Uh, and so, um, but, but the whole point of it is, see, the Lord changed, the Lord, the Lord had us change, amen? And it wasn't like, well, there's nothing wrong with saying that. See, that's, that's rebellion. Because people say, there's nothing wrong with saying I would eat healthy. Well, that's enmity against God. That's hostile towards God because he said that's not a statement of faith to saying I would eat something healthy. That's a statement of unbelief, actually. That's a statement that will cause you harm because you're implying that everything else other than what you ate today in that moment was unhealthy and that you're going to get cholesterol and high blood pressure and cancer and whatever else, you know. Uh, and so uh, I just don't, I don't buy any of that stuff. I don't buy the food pyramid or any diet. You know, just, I eat just whatever I want to eat and I eat it in moderation. Um, and, and you do whatever works for you, right? Some people, well, I can't eat this because, you know, it causes me heartburn or whatever. That's fine, right? Uh, and so that's between you and the Lord, amen? Uh, so to be carnally minded is when, when the change comes, what do you do, right? When the Lord instructs you to, to, to say differently or, or act differently or do differently, what do you do? What's your response? And that's the question, right? That's... Uh, see, if, it's, if you're not carnally minded, then you change. And he says the carnal mind cannot please God, which means that the spiritual mind can please God. So when the Lord tells you it's time to change, quit saying that, then, and you do, yes, sir, I'll be glad to do that. See, that's pleasing to God. It's not the fact that you were doing that yesterday because he didn't tell you yesterday to quit doing that. He didn't tell me uh, until he told me that day to quit saying I'm going to eat healthy because it sounds like something reasonable to say, right? But then you think about it, well, that really what you're implying is that yesterday it wasn't healthy, right? 
uh, a hot dog, you mean a hot dog is healthy? Well, if it's sanctified, I guess it is, right? I mean, it says whatever's put in front of you, isn't that what it says? I didn't write it, you know, and so I used to go by, it's nothing to be refused. Is that what it says? Nothing to be refused. Well, he didn't know we'd have all these chemicals. Really, when he wrote the Word of God, he didn't know we'd be, we'd be around in, in 2023. Uh, well, it, was it expire in 2020 or something like that? It expired when, when uh, um, Oscar Mayer came and in, went into business? I mean, uh, when, when, did it, when did it expire, right? Did the Word of God expire, you know, 1880, whenever Oscar Mayer started making his first slab of bacon and his first hot dog? Uh, I don't know, you know. <clears throat> and so, what's that? Hot dog, hot dog you know. <clears throat> Uh, Chris says it said, I'm saying it wrong, but uh, uh, it's just, I don't know, it's just the way you say it, you're supposed to say it anyway, so, um, <clears throat> so uh, all, all of that goes back to the reason why these men left, many who walk with us don't walk with us anymore because uh, they, they became carly minded, I want to do what I want to do, and you think that's not a big deal, but uh, the root cause of all of the problems and anguish that we have in the world is because of rebellion. When the devil said, I don't want to serve the Lord anymore, I want to do what I want to do. That's the, the, that rebellion there yeah, is what caused all, it's the root cause of all the grief we have today. And so the, uh, a person, uh, if you want to have the best life, right, because the, the spiritual mind is life, right, life and peace, or zoe, God kind of life. Spiritual mind is zoe life, the God kind of life. Uh, see, that's, that should be our goal. I, that's the way I want to live. I want to live where I'm living the God kind and the God quality of life. Well, that only happens when, uh, not because you're perfect today, it only happens when the, the request to change comes in that your response is, yes, sir, I'll be glad to stop saying that. Yes, sir, I'll, stop, I'll be glad to stop doing that. Yes, sir, I'll do that. Yes, sir, I'll, I'll go there. I'll say that or I won't say that. Uh, <clears throat> that that's... It's not the fact that you're doing those things. It's the question is, what do you do when the Lord tells you that it's time to stop? Or when the Lord tells you it's time to start? What, that's the question, right? Uh, and see, if you're a person who, who changes easily, then you'll never be these, these guys in Philippians chapter 3, the, whose end is destruction, right? Uh, you'll be the person that uh, is spiritually minded and is pleasing to God. You know, a lot of times we think it's pleasing to God as the most faithful person at church, you know, and all these things. But, you know, there's a lot of people who are, who are loyal to church and have the appearance of faithfulness, but they're only loyal. You know, in other words, they're loyal to the minister, but uh, the first thing that, that happens that they don't like, they're out the door. Well, that's just loyalty. It's short-lived, right? But faithfulness to the Lord is, when I'm in the will of God, you can't beat me to change. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, he said, then he shifts gears after he's talking about these, these people here in verses 18 and 19, we won't get too far into this, but he shifts gears a little bit. It says, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, uh, the Lord Jesus. Uh, and that's Philippians 3.20. Uh, one translation says, because our citizenship is in heaven, for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, and this is important because he's writing this to the Philippians. Now, uh, most of these places he wrote, and I'm trying to think if there's any that he, that he wrote that wasn't this case, uh, I guess all of them were, uh, were uh, part of the Roman Empire. Uh, and so these Philippians were part of the Roman Empire. And in the, in the Roman Empire, you had people that were born a Roman citizen and basically everybody else, right? Uh, and so a lot of the Jewish people 
uh, were not Roman citizens, they were, they were considered slaves, right? Uh, and so uh, the, the point that he's making here is the Philippians knew the value of a Roman being a Roman citizen. I mean, it's kind of like uh, you can go to a lot of places in the world still today and, oh, you're an American. Oh, wow. You know, they really think a lot of you being an American. And even us Americans, a lot of Americans think, they don't think very highly of being an American because they're stupid, right? Uh, you should think highly of being an American because if you don't like being an American, go somewhere else and see how good it is, right? Oh, it'd be better over there. It, it won't be better over there, right? <clears throat> and so we've, we've got it way better than most people will appreciate. I've been to a lot of places around the world and I wouldn't go any place other than here, wouldn't live any place other than here. Uh, there's not this, you know, there are some other good places here. Uh, in the world, but, you know, I'm a little biased, and, and I know that I'm biased, and so it's okay. Uh, but <clears throat> see if you understand the value of being a citizen, you know, so as a citizen uh, in America, I have a right for, to free speech, right? And even though we're still doing stupid things like telling people they can't say things when, when it's perfectly legal to say things, there's always people trying to tell you, you you don't have free speech, but we do have free speech. And so, you know, <clears throat> just as a natural citizen of America, that's actually a great a great uh, blessing because you go to some places you know over in in the UK they pass laws where you're not allowed to pray uh, near an abortion clinic and so this happened just like a month or two ago they went up this lady she wasn't doing anything or saying anything they said what are you doing she said I'm just just praying so well are you saying it loud she said I'm just praying in my mind you're under arrest they arrested her for praying in her mind which is the stupidest thing you can imagine, right? And of course, she, they, they let her go uh, because they're stupid, and, and, but she got arrested again for the same exact thing, right? Because over there, the free speech is not nearly as ingrained as a right as it is here. Um, you go to Canada, you'll be arrested for all kinds of things in Canada for saying things. Uh, that if you say those things here, uh, unless you know, you're not allowed to say, uh, you know, I'm gonna kill that person, or you, know, you can't holler fire in a, in a in a crowded theater when there's no fire. I mean, you know, obviously there are, li there are limits, but it's pretty, uh, other than that, it's pretty uh, open, amen? So that's a value of being a citizen. So when Paul said your citizenship is in heaven, what he's saying is, I know you understand how valuable it is to be a citizen of Rome, um, for those that you that are, and if you're a Roman citizen, <clears throat> you, you, could, uh, you could own land, right? You could, uh, you could marry legally, so if you weren't a Roman citizen, you couldn't even marry legally. Um, uh, you couldn't, uh, you could vote, uh, and so, you know, the only, only people who could vote were Roman citizens, which seems like a pretty reasonable thing that only American citizens should be able to vote, but they're trying to get rid of that too, right, because we're stupid and we do, we do stupid things. Uh, and so Paul was telling them, uh, you, you understand how valuable it is to be a Roman citizen, it's much more valuable to be a citizen of heaven. He said, for our citizenship is in heaven, and if you think it's valuable to be a Roman citizen, uh, you need to appreciate how much more it is to be a, uh, uh, a citizen of heaven. Let's turn over to the uh, uh, book of Acts chapter 22. You know, uh, Paul was actually a Roman citizen. He was born uh, a Roman citizen. So if you're a Roman citizen and you, and you have a child, well, that child is a Roman citizen as well. <clears throat> and so this is one of the many cases where Paul was arrested. And, uh, and um, let's read here in verse uh, uh, 24. Um, you know, they're, 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 people always get mad at Paul, and so uh, this time they got mad at Paul, and the, uh, the captain of the, of the guard there arrested Paul, uh, and it says in verse 24, <clears throat> the chief captain <clears throat> commanded him to be brought into the castle, 
and bade that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know whether they cried so against him. So, so basically, you know, there was, there was a ruckus, and uh, the, the soldier's answer was, well, let's beat him to find out what the truth was. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, people are going to say whatever they need to say to get you to stop beating them, right? And so I'm not sure that's the best way to find the truth out, right? Uh, you know, have you stopped beating your wife? Uh, and so they'll be, beat you to get the answer out of it. So, uh, but, you know, this was a long time ago. And so, <clears throat> and so they were going to beat him to find out, you know, well, why, why are they mad at you? Tell us the truth. And we'll beat you until morale improves, right? Uh, and so <clears throat> it says, and as they bound him with the thong, so they tied him up and were getting ready to beat him, Paul said unto the centurion that stood by, is it lawful? for you to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned. So, you know, you could beat a Roman citizen, but he had to be found guilty of something first. See, this was beat him first to find out the answer, if he was guilty or not. Uh, and you could do that if they weren't a Roman citizen because they had no rights, basically. But if you're a Roman citizen, they had rights that you couldn't do that. And so, uh, so Paul, uh, you know, he wasn't using any supernatural power here other than wisdom. Uh, you know, he didn't walk through the midst of them like Jesus did. But he did use what he knew as, as the benefit of being a Roman citizen. Hey, uh, you know, is it okay to do that? Because if you did that, if you violated the, the, the rights of a Roman citizen, that was, a, that was a grave infraction against the Roman law. And you could get in a big trouble uh, as, even as a centurion here. It says, when the centurion heard that in verse 26, he went and told the chief captain saying, take heed what you do, this man is a Roman. Then the chief captain came and said unto him, tell me, art thou a Roman? He said, yes. And the chief captain answered, with a great sum uh, obtained I this freedom. So you could, you could become a Roman citizen by buying that right. Uh, and there was all kinds of rules. And, you know, if you bought your right, you know, you, you, weren't, you were like a 90% Roman citizen. You know, you didn't get to be a full Roman citizen uh, uh, unless you were typically born actually uh, in Rome <clears throat> uh, by, by, um, uh, by birth uh, of a Roman citizen. Uh, he said... Uh, he said, I got this by uh, a great sum. Uh, and Paul said, but I was freeborn. I was born a Roman citizen. Then straightway they departed from him, uh, which should have examined him. The chief captain also was afraid after that he knew he was a Roman because he had bound him. So even, even tying him up and arresting him like that uh, was an infraction against his citizenship. So, <clears throat> so Paul knew the value of being a Roman citizen. He used it to his advantage, right, to, to keep from being beat to, hey, let's find out the truth. What's the best way to find out the truth? Well, you could ask him. Well, you could ask him. Well, we could beat him too. You know, let's beat him. Let's start with that. Uh, you know, that, that's the way they operated back then, right? Uh, and uh, not so much nowadays, but, uh, but still even nowadays, they go arrest you for something. That they, they know it's completely illegal to arrest you for that, like free speech. And in fact, I was just reading something today. Some, uh, some Christians were just preaching uh, against uh, some, one of these pride groups, and they went and arrested the Christians. You know, it's like, well, you know, there's a little thing called free speech, right? Uh, and so they, weren't, they, were, they were just reading the scriptures about walking in love. And, uh, but anything that's an affront to, see, their religion is their, their pride, right? That's their religion. And if you affront their religion, they will come and arrest you, hope that you don't remember that you're an American citizen. Uh, and so, so Paul is making the distinction here. Uh, look, uh, you think it's important and valuable to be a Roman citizen? It's much more valuable to be a citizen of heaven. And really, you know, for, for me, you know, I am an American citizen, but that, that's such a small thing compared to being a citizen of heaven. Uh, and I have seen where people will elevate 
they're even as an American, that I'm an American more valuable than being a Christian. Uh, you know, it is valuable being an American because we have some rights and privileges, but it, it doesn't matter. I'm a, I'm a citizen of heaven. Uh, and we need to have that, that mentality in, in our hearts that the, it's the most important thing to be a citizen of is heaven. Uh, uh, and so, because being an American citizen doesn't get you to heaven at all, a a amen? Um, it gives you a lot better chance of that because of our society uh, and the number of churches that are here in America. Uh, it's like, what, one church per, per capita, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, and so there's a lot of churches in America, but, <clears throat> but, it, it, but it is valuable to be a, a citizen of heaven. And so when Paul wrote that to the Philippians, they understood what he was saying inherently because, oh yeah, being a citizen of, of, a, of, a, of a great kingdom is of great value, right? Uh, nobody was bragging on, at this point in history, nobody was bragging about being a citizen of, uh, of Israel, right? Because they were a, a subject of the, the, uh, the, the Romans. Uh, and so they weren't free because they were Israelites. They were only free if they happened to also be a Roman citizen. Uh, and so, so the Philippians understood that. So sometimes it's helpful to go back and, well, why is this phrase uh, valuable to us to know, right? It's valuable because that's, uh, the, the Philippians knew that that was a valuable thing. And he's contrasting that with, uh, I know your citizenship is, is Roman, but it's greater to be a citizen of heaven. Uh, and is it greater to be a citizen of heaven? Well, it is because he said, uh, he says it is, Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for the word today. So, Father, we do thank you for the word. And, Father, we thank you that although our natural citizenship is here in this country, in America, our greater citizenship, uh, Father, is uh, in heaven. And so everything that we are as Americans, Father, falls under uh, and is less important than being uh, a citizen of heaven. So, Father, we thank you that our destiny is in heaven. Our destiny and future is with you. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We give you the praise and the honor for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. You know, I have been with people whose citizenship, uh, they would not, they would not uh, uh, participate um, with other people because of their different citizenship. Uh, and they elevated their citizenship above their Christianity, even though they're Christians, right? They went to church and big parts of church. But, what, oh, well, we don't associate with them because they're a different citizenship and there's conflicts, right? And you go to certain parts of the world and say, mention a different country and, and uh, you are not, uh, the, they're not the happiest people when they hear that with you, right? They're unhappy when you say that. Uh, and so the, when you get to a case like that, that's when you're out of balance, amen? So come ahead, Mr. Dear, and receive the offering. Uh, you know, it should never be uh, that, uh, <clears throat> I mean, e even... Uh, you know, of course, we're dealing with all these illegal aliens right now. Um, you know, I have nothing inherently against them because they're not part of America. You know, I, th I don't think it's wise to the way they've got it set up. Uh, but, you know, um, if you're an illegal, Ill Ill illegal alien and want to work hard and pay taxes, I mean, I don't care, you know. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, that's not the case right now, right? There's a lot of crazy people coming across the borders there and doing crazy things. And so... That's another whole discussion, and it's not really germane to, uh, to us as a church. But uh, if someone walks in and they're illegal alien, I don't care, you know, because I'm a citizen of heaven first. And so, yeah, just because they're not a citizen of America, I'm not going to uh, be unkind to them because they're from wherever. Uh, that would be foolish, amen? Because if they're a Christian, which a lot of them are Christians, you know, uh, then we're, we're the same citizenship, amen? 
uh, <clears throat> and if they're Christians, they're not going to act crazy anyway. They're going to be hard workers, and uh, they do need to pay taxes, though, and so uh, they would help everybody else. They would do that, but again, another discussion. Amen? Uh, and so uh, don't forget prayer Friday night at 7 p.m., uh, and then um, uh, we'll see you all on Sunday morning, right? All right, you're dismissed.